You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. Hi, I'm Charles Stanton. I'm on the faculty of the Honors College at UNLV and the Boyd School of Law. Are you ready? I'm Lana Weatherald. I'm a third-year law student. And welcome to Social Justice. Social Justice, a conversation. A conversation. Well, good evening, everybody. Happy Thursday once again. I'm joined alongside Professor Charles Stanton out of the William S. Boyd School of Law, who also teaches at UNLV's Honors College. My name is Lana Weatherald. I am also a student at William S. Boyd School of Law, graduating this May. We bring you Social Justice, a conversation again tonight. And we want to start with, I think we've been talking about it sort of for the last few weeks, but what's going on over at Fox News with the Dominion lawsuit and everything that has sort of come to light um, in light of this Dominion lawsuit. Um, I'm going to let the professor lead it off with sort of what's been going on uh, to give everybody sort of uh, some background information before we get into some discussion. Okay. Thank you, Lana. Good evening, everybody. Yeah, it's um, it's gotten crazier by the day. Uh, so uh, Dominion uh, is a, a maker of uh, voting machines, and basically uh, they uh, sued Fox Broadcasting uh, on the grounds that they had been defamed, their reputation had been defamed by the idea that... Uh, There was a a, a bogus election reporting, a bogus election recording that the machines were not properly working, a whole whole slew of things. Well, anyway, uh, uh, Dominion Dominion sued Fox, and they deposed Rupert Murdoch and a number of people who uh, worked for the Fox Corporation. Uh, What came out uh, originally was the fact that most of the on-air talent of Fox uh, knew that uh, what they were saying on the air was untrue. They knew that there was no f- uh, election fraud. They knew that there was no uh, 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 fraudulent intent on the part of the uh, uh, Dominion Company. They knew that the election was valid and, and the election was not a hoax. Well, anyway, uh, after those depositions were taken, uh, I guess it was a few days ago, uh, they released more depositions. In those depositions, basically, a number of the Fox talent uh, basically came out and said that uh, uh, that uh, they had no uh, use for Donald Trump. Uh, that was Tucker Carlson. Uh, I think I believe Tucker Carlson's words were he hated Donald yes, Trump. Hated, yes, passionately. Passionately hated he, Donald he passionately Trump. Passionately hated. But what, what one of the things that that struck me that was so fascinating was the whole the, the whole thing having to do what they're declaring Arizona for Biden on the night of the election. Now, of course, uh, they were the first to do it. And uh, they, they made the call right. that Arizona was going to go for uh, Joe Biden. Okay, anyway, uh, uh, Trump had called Rupert Murdoch, and Rupert Murdoch had told him that they were going to stay with that call. Uh, a couple of days later... Uh, they had to make a call for Nevada vis-a-vis uh, whether they should declare for Biden. Mm-hmm. And their, their projections and their uh, 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 prognostication of this election was that uh, with the remaining votes that were left to be counted, uh, Trump wouldn't be able to overtake Biden. And, and, and practically, and, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, from, from a sure, from a, a purely scientific stand, standpoint, the election was going to be, de- and Nevada was going to be declared for uh, a Biden. Uh, but they didn't do that. And the, it's very interesting to read 
the transcripts of the deposition because basically their reason for not doing it was not that they didn't have proof that Biden was going to win that state. It was that they didn't want to inflame and antagonize their viewership. Their, their, yeah, their viewership. So to me, to me, that's like breaking the fundamental rule of what broadcast news should be. I mean, you can you can have you can have a slant on the news, uh, and they do, uh, and you know you can have people who are you know opinion opinion uh, givers, not 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 so much news deliverers. But when it comes to a matter of actual news, not to be delivered by you know people on at the eight o'clock hour or nine o'clock hour. But like people like Martha McCallum and Brent Baer, you have to deliver the news. It doesn't make any difference whether you you antagonize people or they don't like it or it's mm-hmm. you know it, right. it, 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 it's it's going to you know uh, uh, you know uh, make your viewership feel bad. It is what it is. The numbers are the numbers, and it just it just strikes me that uh, uh, the thought that I have is these people have a broadcasting license. Right. How do you have a broadcasting license? Not only when you're 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 putting out stuff that people who listen to the show don't realize is totally untrue, and then when it comes to reporting the election results, you're afraid to report the election results because the people who listen to your station or, or network might not like it, and you're afraid that they're going to go to Newsmax or One America. That's right. not the purpose of a of a broadcasting company. And God, I have heard just. Recently, you know, in light of all of this Dominion um, documents and to, it, just everything sort of coming out, that you're seeing these false equivalencies where you're seeing people in retaliation say, well, what about MSNBC? Well, what about CNN? They're doing the same thing. No, they are not. The, it, it, they may peddle a bias. They do not peddle lies. And I think there is a big difference between what holding a, a viewpoint and lying. Um, what Fox News does is is lies. And those lies then led to violence directly. We mm. saw where those lies then led. Um, that's not the same sort of thing that's happening on MSNBC, nor is it the same sort of thing that's happening on CNN. And I think those equivalencies are getting dangerous because mm. what Fox News does is dangerous. And I'm not so sure that what MSNBC or CNN does is that same inherent level of violence caked into its broadcasting. Mm. I, 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 The whole thing to me is, is kind of mind-boggling because, you know, when you watch, you know, and I pretty much watch, I try to watch all the networks to get an idea of, you know, what their uh, viewpoints are. I always believed, well, you know, they, they, they cater to their audience and that I always believe that people like Sean Hannity and, uh, of course, Laura In- Ingram, I always thought, well, it's not what I believe, but maybe they honestly believe that it was true, but now it's been completely unmasked that they didn't believe it at all. So how do you go out there every night and and deliver a script or a screed or whatever you want to call it, and you know that the thing is bogus? How do you do that? Money, because Tucker Carlson has become a poster child for the Republican yeah. Party, and he's not qualified at all to be so. But yeah. look at him. Look at how much power and money he's yeah. he's amassed by just going out there and spewing that that nonsense. Yeah. Um, money talks. And as, as long as we keep pe- keeping these people, you know, on primetime television mm-hmm. to the tune of six, seven figure salaries, we're going to keep hearing the nonsense. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, though, how, you know, when you get into a legal setting. Right. The truth comes out. Right. 
You know, when people have to take a deposition, all, all, the, of a sudden, all those things changes. go by yeah. the wayside and you get down to the, to the meat of the matter, as my mother used to say, and that it, all, it, it all comes out. Oh, but, God, and then they're dumb enough to text this stuff. Yeah. Well, the the other the, the other the <laughs> other text in this stuff. Yeah. The other aspect the other aspect about it, of course, is that they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. And the <laughs> they were they were talking uh, a couple of nights ago about about how there there you would think that there would be this major uproar. In, they don't care. But but it's the audience. Though. The audience does not care at all. The, the audience the audience still believes it. And the audience probably hasn't really looked into the Dominion lawsuit at well, no, all. When confronted, and, and when confronted with the details and the realities of the Dominion lawsuit, that is their response is, well, look at MSNBC. It's like, what? Yeah. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. How are these two things even comparable? Yeah. And and I just, I, I worry so tremendously because then you see Tucker Carlson is almost doubling down. I don't know if it was... It, it, probably two or three nights ago at this point, he's showing like maybe the one or two videos that are the least violent possible mm. encapsulations of what happened at yeah. the Capitol on January 6th. It's like the one video he could find, the, the two videos he could find yeah. that don't show just absolutely abhorrent, inappropriate violence. Yeah. Uh, I, just bizarre. He's doubling down. Well, I, what, what I, what, and, and, and it's not, it's been said by a number of people. How would you give, I'm not even talking about Tucker Carlson. How would you give those tapes that they they collected on that day to Capitol Police to anybody but the police or a law enforcement agency? You wouldn't. I wouldn't be given even to CNN or MSNBC. Right. It, it's it's a it's a law enforcement, enforcement matter. Issue. It's not something where you know you, you're going to give it to somebody and they can play around with it and edit it into all these crazy things with it. It's evidence. Right. It's evidence of criminality. Right. I think we could boil that one back down to cell phone culture. Everybody with a cell phone all of a sudden thinks they're a news reporter, thinks yeah. they're a journalist, or thinks they have the credentials to be sharing the things without thinking about the consequences of sharing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's part of the issue, too, is everybody there at a Capitol had a cell phone, and then everybody thinks yeah. that they're a journalist. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we can we can bounce like that right over to the, the, the state of uh, Florida. And all the things that are going on down there, Jesus. each day there's it's a, a new nightmare in the a, state of Florida. There's a new unexpected card pulled from the bottom of the deck, and now, of course, it, it all started. It all started with with on an educational uh, uh, plateau with new college. Stop all these woke kids. But now it, it's really it, uh, going into the University of Florida, mm-hmm. Florida State University. Yep. And uh, the idea, basically, that the uh, uh, the executive branch of the Florida government is going to basically take over the universities, dictate what they can teach, um, have the power at any time to remove anybody that teaches there. I mean, it's some scary stuff. Yeah, there is very little I had found like redeemable about my decades-long venture in the state of Florida, except uh, the higher system of education. Um, I believe that the only thing Florida has going for it is those wonderful universities with people that are really passionate about things that genuinely matter. And I think Florida is going to lose one of the very, very few remaining beacons it has, right? Other than the beaches, you've got UF, you've got FSU, you know? That's what makes that state strong. And, And that's quite frankly, a lot of the people I knew that were successful were out-of-state students. Right. 
in those undergraduate programs. They were coming, you know, mm-hmm. uh, oh, they were the smartest kid in Georgia. They were the smartest kid in Alabama. And they knew that they had a better chance in Florida. What's going to happen to those kids? Are they going to come want to come down to, you know, part of my French year, DeSantis' hellhole? No, they're not. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose the best and the brightest kids in the South that were previously coming to institutions in Florida to other institutions because of what Ron DeSantis is doing. And it will hurt Florida. It will hurt people. Not only we're not talking lawyers, people in politics, people in power. We're talking Florida's doctors will suffer because of what's going mm-hmm. on in the university system. Florida's teachers obviously will suffer because of what is going on in the university system nurse i mean the, the list goes on and on and on and on from the from the bottom up I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that florida will suffer because of what ron DeSantis is doing yeah in the higher education system and it's it's interesting k through 12 too i should add k through 12 too he's ripping books off the shelves from kindergartners yeah. that too yeah yeah it, what's interesting also though is they're getting a lot of people to move down to florida oh, yeah, who have the who have the same political ideology that he does, right. and and because of the favorable, you know, tax tax, tax system yeah. that they have, that, you know, going down there. But um, I, I just find it I just find it interesting, especially um, having to do with teaching, you know, the the the, the racial history of our country. Uh, and if you look at uh, uh, the uh, athletes on scholarship. On USF and uh, UF, FSU, UCF, all, 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 major all, all, right? is 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 majorly uh, uh, is majorly uh, uh, populated by people of color, and you're basically saying, well, that none of those things, none of those things ever happened in our country. Right. It was very interesting. A uh, um, couple of weeks ago, they had Brian Cranston on. With Chris Wallace. Yeah, that was lovely. And he was talking and, you know, he was talking about making America great again. And he says, well, he says, you know, you could you could interpret that really as a, as a racist comment because make America great again for who? who? It's, it certainly wasn't it wasn't for people of color. It wasn't for the indigenous population here. So who who was it actually? Who was it actually not great even for? Even for women, white men. Well, well, not even. Well, well, absolutely. No women, no people of color. No. I mean, wh- white men. That's no. it. That's yeah. who it was great for. Yeah, no, it, it, it's uh, we. But we have. I, I think you can tie uh, uh, Fox News into what's going on mm-hmm. down in Florida because they're both connected by a philosophy of denialism. The yes. denialism that, you know... The, the that, world is changing. Yeah, the, the denialism that the world is changing, that Trump really won the election, that it was fraudulent. And I think it's also, and I, we've, we've discussed this previously, I think it has a lot to do with economics. I believe that although it's true that there's a... You know, certainly a, a cultural prejudice and a bias, uh, racially speaking. Right. But it, it, I think it goes beyond that. I think it's an economic thing. Because if you can create a world where there was no prejudice, every, nobody was discriminated against, we stopped teaching history, particularly relevant in, in the teaching of young people who go to the high schools and the colleges, then what need is there for social programming? Mm-hmm. What need is there for social programs? What need is there for diversity, inclusion, equity, when we were all equal always? Right. You see? And they want to create this, this fantasy world. And the, the children and young people will not get this essential education. Because they don't want, you see, what they really don't want is they don't want a unified society. Mm-hmm. They don't want 
people to be equal. They don't want Correct. women to be equal. Correct. And that is exactly where I was going to go with it. Mm-hmm. I think it 100% is an economic issue. It is an economic jealousy issue. Um, you are now seeing a, a subset of very successful people of color that mm-hmm. are now multimillionaires, women who are mm-hmm. multimillionaires, people of color in positions as CEOs, women in positions as CEOs. And you've got a white lower middle class looking around thinking that should be me. Why isn't that me? That Mm. always looked like me. That person was always me. And now it's a girl that looks like me or a person of color or it's not. The system is changing and no longer inherently benefits the white man. And I think that so much of it is wanting to see themselves whole, I mean, wholesale in those positions of power and seeing other people then you you think you know birds of a feather flock together mm. well there's a there's a woman in charge she's going to hire more women oh there's a person of color in charge well then they're going to hire more people of color and instead of viewing that as evening the playing field right or mm. somehow you know mm. bringing people up to justice or up to speed that previously never were it's viewed as something's being taken away yeah, yeah. We're, they're taking away what used to be mine my right to this job as a ceo as a high paying whatever corporate yeah. That's what they think. They think that it is not a result of more equality that women and people of color are finally getting more powerful positions or finally making Mm. more economic strides, right? They think it's a result of them taking it away from them, not because of their own merit, but because they took it away. That's what I think underlies a lot of it, jealousy, plain and simple. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, you know, uh, in the entertainment world, I wanted to get into this because we had had discussed it briefly off the air. Uh, the movie Tar with uh, Kate Blanchett, great actress though she is, fantastic. Not, oh, absolutely, right? Wonderful actress. But I, you know, in watching that movie, and I'm going to say what I have to say, and I'm going to throw it over to uh, the uh, the female side of the right. broadcast. Uh, here is a woman who achieved the the uh, uh, position of conductress for a major symphony. Now the women who have been able to do that are few and far between. Mm-hmm. It was only very recently that the New York Philharmonic got an equal amount of men and women in, in, in their, uh, in their uh, particular right. uh, uh, symphony. And I am sure that you could get, you could put, you could actually, you could still keep Kate Blanchett in a movie and you could make a movie about what that journey was or struggle, what have you, for a woman to try to succeed in, in, in a field that was always male-dominated and it was always very hard for a woman to, uh, to, to, to achieve. But what happens in the movie, of course, is that this woman who, you know, obviously she has a prodigious knowledge of music right. and all the rest of it, is, 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 is an evil person, uh, a malevolent person, a person who would not be a role model for any anybody. woman or man or anybody right. else. And it, it just makes you wonder how Hollywood creates these uh, uh, archetypes, archetypes of women. Uh, I just finished reading a book about the Oscars, and it's really interesting how so many of the women who've won the Academy Awards have won them for like roles that really um, were debasing of women. Mm-hmm. And it's a certain philosophy that they have as to, well, we'll give her the award, but she plays a certain kind of role. Yep. And that's what women, you know. I, you know, I, so I'll, I'll start off with talking about Tar. I, I think I think she will win the Oscar, unfortunately. I think she will. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head when it 
when women have to be depicted as this hard, as this strong, as this mean, there's a scene in Tar that I thought just was... I almost wanted to turn the movie off. She's in a she's in a scene with a classroom, um, and, it, and there's a tons of students, and there's one student who's playing devil's advocate a little bit, like any student in any classroom would. Mm. You know that kid. You have that kid in every one of your mm. classes if you've ever been in higher education. Sometimes right? more than one. Sometimes more than one, right? <laughs> and it's you. She just the way she handles this student. It was so demeaning and so debasing and so god awful that the student ends up leaving. And then I, you're you're forced to sit as a viewer and thinking, well, that's the pinnacle of female success right there. Making a, stu- a student of color. It was anyway. So upset that he leaves the classroom, right? It's like, what? What is that? That strong, powerful female leadership? That's who young girls are going to look up to yeah. as someone making someone so uncomfortable they leave the room, their place of education that they're paying for? Like, that's that was what was running through my mind is I'm supposed to look up to this woman or I'm supposed to – I mean, I get that she was – we're supposed to view her as evil and see all that. But that's – she did reach the pinnacle of success and that was underlying the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I was very off-put. I was very off-put by that movie. But like you say – when women then play that stereotypical role, you saw it with Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Linings Playbook. Mm-hmm. You saw it with Viola Davis. When you play these certain roles, that's when you win the award. Halle Berry, too. Yeah, when you Monsters play, Wall. Yeah. Yep, when you play certain roles that fit what Hollywood casted you in the first place to be, well, yeah. then, of course, you'll get your Oscar. But these aren't roles that then make women or girls, one, want to join Hollywood or become movie stars or actresses because you know the kind of schlop you're going to get fed, mm-hmm. but three, not going to want to reach this sort of level of success because you then know what you have to be you either need to be an absolute crazy bimbo like silver linings playbook jennifer lawrence you need to be evil and cold-hearted like tar you know i just don't it does not show and what we do in women in film it does not show the accurate depiction of what an everyday powerful successful woman is and the duality and dichotomy Mm -hmm. of all the things she can be and the nuances of that woman those aren't captured in these films i don't I, i don't feel like meaningfully um and i think you've got a lot of women and girls that then look up to the wrong things. Yeah. The wrong things. Yeah. I, I think, I think too, that um, men are given a free pass on a lot of these things. Well, it's shown a film recently, um, The Contender, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, uh, Joan Allen. And um, the, the, the man who, who would be involved in these trans, transgressions right. um, would not be judged the same as a woman. Correct. I, I think I think though that's changing a little bit. Oh yeah, you know, as far look as look at with Jada Pinkett Smith a little bit and yeah. how much f- flack she's catching. Yeah, well, me I think I think I think Me Too um, has had a major effect, mm-hmm. uh, particularly at the higher levels. There's going to be a very interesting program on tomorrow night, which I recommend to everybody highly. I have not I have not pre-screened the movie. I've read something about it. It's called The Sin Eater. It's going to be on Hulu and FX. Okay. It's about Anthony Pelicano. Okay. And Anthony Pelicano was the private detective for almost every powerful person in Hollywood. And Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. And, and, and he apparently taped all the phone calls of the people he was representing. And now he's out of prison. And he's ready to share his story. He's ready to share his wealth. With the multitudes, awesome. you know, but it's always been, you know, in reading the book that I finished, it's always been about illusion, though. Yes. You know, when, yes. you, when you look up to some of these people, oh, this is a great, you don't know the people. people. You don't know who they are. No. You know, and it was very interesting to read in the book about Sidney Poitier, all the struggles that he had uh, to, you know, get where he was. And then, of course, once he reached that plateau, 
uh, they said, well, there's too much Sidney Poitier. We got to give him roles that really weren't, you know, crap, yeah, wor- yeah. W- worthy of him. You know, I actually had the pleasure of meeting him one time. Oh, how lovely! He was, he was as advertised. He was really a, a really good, a really good guy. Uh, and he, he told the story when he was uh, going to be in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. He had been in the Heat of the Night, which was a huge hit. He had mm-hmm. been to Sir with Love. Uh, they had to interview him. Mm-hmm. So he had to go to Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn's house so he could be interviewed. They were going to interview the biggest film star in the world. Wow. And, um, you know, he was, you know he's, he was with Catherine Hepburn, and, and she goes, uh, well, I've never really talked to a black person before. Oh, my God. And he's, he's like sitting there. Oh. He's going, oh, my God, it's right. But uh, he, he, and he, wrote, he, wrote his auto, you know, he wrote his autobiography. Um, if he was around, if he was still alive today and he was a younger man, I can imagine what the autobiography could have been. Right. But all the things that he, you know, went through and everything. But. Yeah. And I think so much of it now is celebrities have sort of lost, have lost the idea of having that illusion because of, we've talked about it a million times mm. before, cell phone culture, right? Um, now, Anybody with a cell phone can catch a celebrity at their worst moment, can catch mm. them doing things they shouldn't. Now we've given them access to Twitter, so we know yeah. what these people think. God, oh. Um, yeah. and so I, I think now the sort of illusion that Hollywood tried to create by making these people mystical and keeping mm. all their crap behind closed doors, right, right has sort of faded. Yeah. Um, because we know how dumb they are. We see what they tweet. We know how dumb they are. We watch their interviews on TikTok. We know how yeah. dumb they are. We see them in you know shopping in the mall now in their crappy clothes. Because we've had these cell phones, because we have these things around, we are able to sort of I think understand a little bit more, but Hollywood, yeah, still by and large has done a very good job of, I think, keeping yeah. the worst of it under wraps. I think I think one of the uh, uh, problems that you have, though, uh, is that the idea of privacy has disappeared. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting the other day, uh, uh, Bruce Willis's wife was talking about how they follow, they follow them around when they're t- going out, she's For out. those of you that don't know, Bruce yeah. Willis was recently diagnosed with dementia. Mm. Um, and his, his family has asked for sort of peace and yeah, quiet just, and, and asked for sort yeah. of some time to yeah, leave, leave, leave him, him alone. Leave yeah. the man. I mean, come on. You, you, you should know better than that. But, you know, everything is sort of broken down on that score, you know. And it really, it really, it's, it's nobody, ultimately it's nobody's business. Right. In a, in, a, in a health matter or something like that. Just leave people to do what they have to like do. Like he hasn't given us enough. Yeah, no. Like Bruce Willis hasn't given the country enough of yeah. his, you know, body time and effort. Like yeah. let the old man be. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Just wanted to recommend a book that I just finished reading was the uh, – the, the Demi Moore uh, uh, autobiography. Really? It was wonderful. Good to hear. Was, I've always been a big fan of hers. Uh, one of the most honest, unflinching, uh, uh, human, probably autobiographies, not only that any movie star has written, anybody's written. Good to know. She you just know, lays always- it out there. I've always enjoyed her. And you can tell, I think, so much of who a person is by the child that they then have. Um, And those nepotism babies, you know, it's been a a hot topic lately that they're all kind of problematic. These children of Rumor Willis, Demi Moore and Bruce Willis's Mm. child, she is a class act. I mean, she takes Mm. really, uh, really poignant roles. Mm. I think she's very articulate. I think she's done the right things as far as what nepo babies should be doing in Mm. their sphere in Hollywood. Um, And I think that's a testament to Demi Moore. So that's that's really interesting to hear that her book was as advertised. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I read it through. Wow. I read it through. No, that's was, good to hear. Which was great, you know, but there, there, there need to be more women who uh, uh, speak out about these things. Yep. Um, particularly about their experiences in the, 
uh, not just the entertainment industry. They actually had a very interesting article about this woman now who is the uh, intimacy coordinator mm. in the movie industry. And she's sort of become the number one intimacy coordinator wow. in the movie business. Yeah, because they didn't used to do that. I mean, oh. there was no intimacy coordinator for no. sex scenes on on no. movie sets. So it's nice that at least that's changing. Yeah, but she, she uh, uh, really has an interesting philosophy about how people should work with one another. Interesting. Which is way, way overdue in the Hollywood world. Right. But I think I think that's changing too, though. Yeah, I think that's changing too. I, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. All right, so I think we've covered everything we'd like to cover this afternoon. We do want to remind you guys that we are always taking questions. We are always interested in having you guys hear what we should be talking about and see if there's any topics you'd like the professor or I to broach. So you can go ahead and send any emails you'd like to wethel one at unlv.nevada.edu, and we'll be sure to cover anything you'd like in our next show. And with that, we thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next Thursday. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our show. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact us at Wethel1, that's W-E-T-H-E-L-1 at nevada.unlv.edu. Or to contact Professor Charles Stanton, contact him at C-H-A-R-L-E-S, that's Charles.Stanton, S-T-A-N-T-O-N, at unlv.edu. See you you next time. time.